Episode 64, How I Get Ready for Shabbat. You're listening to the Journey to Organization podcast with Rebecca Saltzman, advice to help you clear your clutter and your mind. Hello and welcome to Journey to Organization. I'm Rebecca Saltzman from Balagan Bigan Personal Organization, and today I want to talk to you about how I get ready for Shabbat. Now, a lot of you have asked me about it, so I decided to finally do a show about it because everybody seemed interested about it. So here it goes. The thing is that I want to share with you, and I'm about to get a little bit personal, is that podcasting is really the perfect medium for me because I never have to worry about the way I look. You get to hear my lovely voice, and some people have even called me to tell me that they can hear me smiling when I speak, and the truth is, is I usually try to smile when I speak, so it's amazing that you can hear that. But I've said this before, sometimes the way I look is a little bit difficult for me. I think I have a lot of great, beautiful features, but my weight has always been an issue for me ever since I was a kid. And it makes food kind of a sensitive subject for me. People are always asking me about meal planning and Shabbat prep and how to get food on the table for dinner. And the truth is, this is something that is a huge struggle for me. It's not really the organization that flummoxes me. It's a whole bunch of other reasons, and I'll tell you what they are. You see, my kids are not really picky eaters, but they don't all like the same things. My boys are happy to eat salmon on Thursday nights, which is when we have salmon night, but my daughter hates salmon. Now my twins love chicken and my oldest son hates it. You get the point? It can make planning dinner a nightmare. I also don't like to be in the kitchen because I tend to snack and I really don't like thinking about food and I don't like thinking about cooking. There was a point in my life when I was first married that I actually enjoyed cooking and was really creative about it. I didn't have so much more time on my hands. Uh, I was a student when I got married and I had a lot on my plate, but I had no kids. And my husband, bless him, he is an ambitious eater and he's always willing to try new things. He's also happy to eat leftovers, but he loves a food adventure. After my kids were born, though, it just became a little bit difficult to satisfy everybody's needs, and I just kind of gave up. When I was growing up, my mom always made the same things for Shabbat. For different holidays, we had certain foods. On Rosh Hashanah, we had Cornish hens stuffed with the most delicious rice and stew, which I don't like. On Sukkot, we had stuffed cabbage, which I also really don't like because uh, I don't really like the smell of the cooked cabbage. Um, I used to just open up my roll and eat the meat. <laughs> when my grandmother was alive, she also used to make kreplach and gefilte fish, which, again, I don't really like. And she always used to tease me that I wasn't Jewish because I don't like Jewish food. But you get the drift. Shabbat was the same weekly meal with very little variations. And Yom Tov was the same yearly. The holidays were the same yearly. Now, the thing is, is that I love food being the same on Yom Tov because it makes the holiday feel familiar to me. And when I go out to eat and I see certain things on the menu like Cornish hens, I will never order them because to me, uh, Cornish hens signifies Rosh Hashanah. It's like, why would you eat them at any other time? And so food definitely has 
a symbolism for me. Uh, certain foods should be eaten at certain times of the year and that's it. That's the only time they should be eaten. But beyond the symbolism, food has so many other issues for me. Now, I really try to eat healthy. Uh, trends are always changing and shifting. It can get confusing as to what is really healthy and what's not. In general, I try to go by the flow, FLO, living diet, which has to do with making your food correspond to different stages in your menstrual cycle, and that's helped me a lot. But honestly, eating healthy is hard. It means a lot of cooking, and that means dedicating time to cooking. Eating not healthy is cheaper, faster, and easier. Uh, I've gotten a lot better at eating healthier and thank God my kids love fruit and vegetables so it isn't a tragedy for me in our house to cut up fruits and vegetables but with the actual cooking and all the food issues and the things that my kids don't like or do like or one kid likes this and another kid doesn't I don't really enjoy being in the kitchen anymore. That being said I really try to make healthy food that's quick and easy when I prep for any meal which also can be a challenge. I don't actually make the same thing every week for Shabbat. There is variety. It depends on the time of year, but in general, I try to keep it simple. I make simple recipes that are quick and easy, and I don't feel like that takes away from the specialness of Shabbat just because the recipes don't have 300 ingredients in them or because they don't take me an hour to make each recipe. We eat chicken soup almost all year round, so on Thursday, I make my chicken soup. Now, to reduce my waste, I use the leaves from the celery instead of the stalks, and I use the necks from the whole chickens that I buy. For those of you who are wondering if I'm vegan or not, during the week, I really try hard to be. I do sometimes eat eggs or honey, though I've reduced the amount that I eat significantly. I've really dropped meat and chicken from my diet during the week because reducing the amount of meat that you eat is one of the single best things you can do, and also dairy, one of the single best things you can do to have a positive impact on the environment. Cows release methane gas when they chew, and that's harmful for the environment. Now, I don't happen to love chicken, so it's not a tragedy for me to not, to not eat chicken. I do let my family eat it, but my meat and chicken comes from a local provider called Artsenu because they source their chicken and meat from Israel. In case you didn't know, a lot of the meat sold in Israel is imported from South America. So even though we still eat meat, because it isn't being shipped halfway across the world, we're lowering our impact. Their packaging isn't zero waste, but I have spoken to them about it and they are on the lookout for better solutions. To me, it's huge to purchase from a company who takes responsibility for the products that they produce. It's really important to make sure that you know where your food is coming from because it does make a difference. Anyway, when I buy the chickens, I like to buy the whole chicken. I think it makes the best tasting chicken. they, Artsenu sends their chickens butterflied with a split cut down the back, but they still have the necks attached. So I always cut off the necks and part of the ribs, and I save them in the freezer between uses to make chicken soup from them. I actually think it makes some of the best tasting chicken soup. When I buy celery, uh, I cut off the leaves. In Israel, the celery leaves are very abundant, uh, not so much 
in America, but there's a lot of leaves on the celery in Israel. And I can usually get two pots of soup from one head, uh, one head of celery, and the leaves freeze very well. I just drop them into the pot. I use fresh carrots. Uh, I peel them and I drop in fresh carrots. So when I make the soup on Thursday, my husband also makes dessert on Thursday nights. Uh, he loves to bake and so we split the work. He also roasts me eggplant and Friday morning I make baba ganoush with it. Now, Friday morning in Israel is a great morning for adults <laughs> because most kids have school, but Friday isn't a work day for most adults. So every Friday we have date morning instead of date night some other night during the week. This way we don't have to pay for a babysitter and we go out for breakfast. We usually pick up fresh chalot um, at the markets. When I lived in the U.S., I used to make challah almost every week, even though we lived on a street that had a lot of bakeries on it. Uh, my kids tell me they miss my challah, but my oven in Israel is much smaller than my oven was in the United States, and it takes me a long time to make challah. And, you know, I, I'll tell you this. If I, I love doing the mitzvah of challah. It's the only food uh, that we're, it's actually a mitzvah. There's a mitzvah associated with making it. Um, but to take challah, to say the bracha, you need to make a larger amount of dough. And we don't really eat that much challah anymore. And I never really mastered the art of freezing the challah. So if anybody has tips or tricks on great ways to freeze the dough, do you freeze it? braided? Do you freeze it baked? How do you freeze it? I'm I'm open to your suggestions because I've never found a method that was amazing. But I buy it. Uh, just as an aside, I haven't read it yet. If someone wants to send it to me, I would love to read it. But I heard that there's a new cookbook out called Rising that's supposed to be amazing and give you great challah baking tips and that it's supposed to be an amazing challah recipe. I don't know. So if anybody's read it, I would love to hear your feedback on it. Anyway, after we get home from our breakfast date, I usually try to get my chickens in the oven. I usually roast sweet potatoes at the same time and I make it with very minimal or the chicken that is with minimal spices and I usually roast it whole with the breast side down. Now how much I make depends on how many people I am having for Shabbat. If I have guests, I usually make more vegetables and salads to compensate, but Basically, this is the same thing that I do almost every week. Once I get the food in the oven, in the summertime, I make a cold tomato soup called gispacho that I love. It's good for Shabbos lunch, and it's good also for during the week. It's really cool and refreshing. It's, it's nice. Um, it needs time to get cold, so I try to make that earlier on. Um, it also needs to be made in the food processor, so once that's out, while the other stuff is cooking, I usually try to make anything other salads that I want to make in the food processor at the same time. In the winter time, I like to make vegetarian chopped liver. I use walnuts, lentils, hard-boiled eggs, and fried onions. The lentils have to be cooked, so while the food's in the oven, I cook the lentils. I cook them in a parv pot because my food processor is parv, and if I'm short on time, I cook the eggs in the steamer basket that fits in my parv pot. I've only done this a few times. It seems to work fine. I try to cook the eggs Thursday night if I know I'm going to make uh, chopped liver. 
After I get that done, I use the food processor to either chop cabbage, like I said, or um, make other vegetables for salads. So the chopped liver also calls for the food processor. So while the chicken and potatoes are in the oven, I usually, you know, use that time to use the food processor. Which vegetables I make during the year, which salads I make, really depends on the time of the year it is because food is very seasonal in Israel. Um, for example, in the winter time, I might make, or in like September, October time, mangoes are still in season and pomegranates are still in season and avocados are still in season. So I might throw that all together with a little bit of kale and balsamic vinegar and make a salad, but I can't make that same salad in the summertime because all those things are not in season. So you just have to sort of go by the seasons in Israel. I also usually make mayonnaise. It's super easy. It's just two egg yolks in the food processor with one cup of grapeseed oil, half a teaspoon of salt, half a teaspoon of ground mustard seed, half a lemon, and one tablespoon of hot water. Just run it through the food processor, adding the oil slowly, and voila, you have mayonnaise. Then I add the mayo to my eggplant that my husband has roasted with a little chopped garlic and the other half of the lemon that's left over from making the mayonnaise uh, and spices to taste. If it isn't too humid out, I make meringue cookies with the egg whites. And if not, I make a quick egg white omelet that I can eat right there for my lunch. <laughs> and that usually uh, helps me because by then I'm kind of hungry. So... Um, after that, I take my chicken out of the oven and the sweet potatoes, and I usually make rice. I saute onions on the stovetop, and then I put the rice with the water in the oven, um, and I bake the rice for the rest of the time, and it creates a really delicious, yummy rice. My oven isn't really big enough to hold anything else at the same time, so it's just the rice on its own. After that, I usually make a few minute steaks. My kids love them. I make them on top of the stove and either before or after that I'll saute some peas or some green beans. That's about it. <laughs> That's basically what we eat for Shabbat. Um, it doesn't take me that much time. If I'm doing just that I can do it in about two, two hours for everything. Um, I sometimes add like regular roasted potatoes, not just sweet potatoes, roasted vegetables and other salads but it really depends on how many people are coming, how many I'm having, who I'm having, because a lot of people have allergies to certain foods. So it's important that I know a lot about my guests before they come. Um, but I think the key for me when I'm preparing Shabbat is that I've really gotten it down to a science on understanding how long things are being in the, how long things are going to be in the oven for and how long the task takes me to prepare to get ready for the next thing. So when the chicken is done, I'm ready to slide in the vegetables to be roasted and there's very little downtime. And this is good because the oven stays hot. There's no preheating and I, I can get things cooked like more quickly because the oven's already hot and I don't have to worry about the preheating time. If I want to try something new, uh, I try to do that on a week where I don't have a lot of other things going on so that I can dedicate myself to trying the new recipe so that it actually turns out. Once I've made something new, I already know how to incorporate it into my Shabbos plans once I've made it once before. And so I can time it 
appropriately for fitting into my schedule when I'm cooking. But I really try not to make new things when I'm having like a lot of guests. I use like the tried and true things when I'm having a lot of guests because I don't want to mess up and I don't want to be one dish short and I don't want to have, you know, burned food or salad that's not edible because it's too has too much dressing or whatever so really I try to save new things for when it's just the family this way we could try it out I have time to think about it and and really like get in touch with my food you know I think the thing that's important to remember while you're cooking is that it's really just actually learning how to figure out how long things take you so you can time them appropriately and really once you understand how long things take you you can utilize the inactive cooking time for for things that you know you don't need the oven for or while the chicken like I said while the chicken is cooking for between 35 to 50 minutes depending on the size of the chickens and how big they are I know that I'll have a minimum of 30 minutes to make the gazpacho or make the chopped liver and that is what you really have to learn. It's about the budgeting of the time. And because I can budget the time, it's a lot easier for me to go quickly. Like I said, in total, when it's just me and my family or one or two guests for Shabbat, um, whatever I do on Friday takes me about two hours. If I have a lot more guests, I might spend three or four hours cooking. Um, but I do, like I said, split it up into two days that I make the soup and the egg and roast some of the vegetables beforehand. And my husband is doing the baking, um, Thursday night. Now I have to say that not having to worry about the dessert does, um, definitely make things easier for me. But I think that if he wouldn't love to bake, that I would just pick something up from the bakery. I know that's not uh, possible for everybody, either for dietary restrictions like having issues with gluten or living in a place where you don't have that accessible. But um, something that my husband sometimes does in advance is like if he has the if he is baking at one point, he might make like a second batch of cookies or an extra cake and put it in the freezer. So he's not always always baking all the time, uh, you know, just for that Shabbat. Like if we know the next week we might have an issue, you know, he'll, he'll go ahead and um, make something. But it doesn't actually take so long to make, let's say, a batch of cookies. And the desserts don't have to be so fancy. But I definitely ask for help because why should I have to do it all myself? And especially he loves it. If you have a kid at home who loves to bake, enlist your kids. It's definitely worthwhile to get help and not suffer. We don't have to be, you know, schmatas. If you decide that you, you know, can't have the same thing every week, which is totally fine, I would definitely suggest sitting down for five or 10 minutes before you start cooking and make a plan. Make a plan for what you're going to do while the chicken is in the oven cooking or once the salad's done, will you make the soup? Whatever it is that you plan, try to structure the plan so that you're using all your time wisely. Structure the plan so that all the food is going into the other oven either consecutively or um, or together at the same time so that the oven is hot for one period of time but you don't have to spend time re reheating the oven you know letting it cool and reheating it if you break it down piece by piece so that you can understand how long it actually you know takes you to cut the carrots or cut the lettuce or whatever 
just guesstimate for a few weeks, you can actually keep track in in a notebook and write it down, but really get to understand how long things take you so that you can plan accordingly so that you're not, you know, rushing every step of the way to get to the next step. It's a lot easier when you take the five minutes to to plan in advance how you're going to make everything. Generally, I sit down before I start cooking and just write a quick menu what I'm actually going to make. Even though I'm making the same thing almost every week, it really helps me to, you know, function in my mind so that I don't forget anything just to make a quick plan. What's what's happening for dinner Friday night? What's happening for lunch on Shabbat? What's happening for Sudashli Sheet for the third meal? I just find that when I can take that five minutes and plan, it makes my morning a lot less stressful. If you're wondering if I make chillant, the answer is no. <laughs> in the winter, I sometimes make what I call chillant-ish, <laughs> which is more like a tomato stew. It's not as thick as chillant, but I found that like no one really eats the chillant in my house. My They, they eat it at, if they have it at chill for a kiddish, but I don't know, for some reason in the house, it just doesn't seem to get eaten. So maybe I don't make a good chillant, I don't know. But my kids seem to like the chillant-ish dish, but I only make it in the winter. I just find in the summertime, no one really wants to eat something so hot. My crock pot makes the kitchen kind of hot. We do leave the plot on and we have a water machine with a Shabbos mode. Uh, so we are definitely eating hot food on Shabbat. Just chilling, I don't know, seems to go to waste in our house. And the chillant ish is more like a stew. It tastes delicious when you reheat it with some leftover rice and it's yummy because it sops up all the juice and it just, I don't know, it's more like, yeah, I mean, it's a different kind of thing. I don't like load it with beans and barley and stuff. And it's just sort of the the slow cooked meat in a nice tomato like broth. And it's it's good. I love it. I've actually made a Shabbat prep list that you can download from my website. All you have to do is go to Rebecca Saltzman. And by the way, Rebecca is R-E-B-E-K-A-H. And that's S-A-L-T-Z-M-A-N.com forward slash Shabbat prep s-h-a-b-b-a-t-p-r-e-p and you can download the Shabbat preparation checklist you can leave it on your fridge so you don't forget anything um, every week and it's it's a good thing to you know make sure you're not forgetting things I'm actually going to be in the U.S. in August. If you want to book some time with me for a one-on-one -on -one service or set up a speaking engagement in your city, please reach out again to Rebecca at RebeccaSaltzman.com. You can also leave me a voicemail with your number. I would love to do a listener question episode in the coming weeks. So if you have questions, please reach out and let me know so I can create an episode to answer all of your listener questions. I want you to remember Hashem keeps you organized. Have a great week and happy organizing. Thanks for listening to the Journey to Organization podcast. You can find Rebecca on Twitter and Instagram at BalaGonBegon and on Pinterest as Rebecca Saltzman. Visit BalaGonBegon.com for resources and to join the mailing list to get podcast updates.